Well, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Zion on this third Sunday in Lent. Before we begin our worship, just a couple of things. Uh, first, a reminder that the Easter lily orders are due next Sunday. So if you haven't gotten those in and you would like lilies for Easter, uh, please remember that those are due next Sunday. Also, just a reminder that our midweek services will continue on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Uh, we've gathered at 6 o'clock before the service for our soup supper, so even if you haven't been yet, you are absolutely invited. We'd love to, to have you join, join us for those services. Uh, one quick note about the service today. So the gospel reading today is a longer reading. Uh, if you're more comfortable sitting for that longer reading, please feel free to do so, um, and don't feel like you have to hurt yourself standing for all 37 verses. Um, just know that, that you're free to sit, and no judgment for me or others. So. Uh, are there any other announcements or any prayer requests you have before our service today? Yeah, Jen. Today we have our first choir practice, so if anybody feels like singing for the Easter anthem, stay after church. Yeah, choir singers, playing the stay after church. Yeah. Um, update on Steve. He surgery went well, but they did do a scan and found cancer throughout his body, so they're going to do chemo to keep it under control. Yeah, we'll keep Steve in our prayers. All right. If there are no other announcements or requests, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Let us pray. Merciful God, the fountain of living water, you quench our thirst and wash away our sin. Give us this water always. Bring us to drink from the well that flows with the beauty of your truth through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Exodus. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people, and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. Thanks be We'll now read Psalm 95 responsively. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Oh, that today you would hear God's voice. There your ancestors tested me. They put me to the test, though they had seen my works. Forty years I that generation, saying, The heart of this people goes astray. They do not know Indeed, I swore in my anger, they shall never come to my rest. A reading from Romans. 
Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, and that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do not say four months more, then comes the harvest. But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, so our gospel reading really centers around this one idea of living water, right? Living water, according to Jesus, is the water that he provides. It is the water that once you receive it, you need nothing else. Living water, Jesus says, becomes a spring of eternal life in the one who receives it. And we find out that this living water is superior to the water that one might receive from the well of Jacob. And so the Samaritan woman learning about this living water says to Jesus, Sir, give me this living water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Now in reading this story, this woman doesn't strike me as naive. She's not really asking Jesus to take away her physical thirst. She's clearly intelligent. She's clearly articulate enough to know that being physically thirsty is part of life in this world. In fact, the story begins with Jesus tired and asking for water from the well. Right? It is simply a law of nature that our bodies need water to function, and everyone understands this. What's unique here is that the woman at the well says that she no longer wants to come to this particular well for water. She doesn't want to have to keep coming here. She's speaking to Jesus about what's going on with her spiritually. In fact, she has heard Jesus say that he has living water for her, and she wants it. She knows that Jesus is speaking spiritually. And so as we 
read of this woman and look at her first, we can assume that this woman is coming to Jacob's well in shame. Later in the dialogue, of course, Jesus will identify that this woman is apparently not very good at marriage. She's had five husbands, and she's currently living with a man who is not her husband. Well, first, we can be a little compassionate here. Sometimes it's assumed that the woman is simply an adulteress who's broken up all these marriages. That's a possible reading, but it's also possible that she's been the victim of men who have divorced her for one reason or another. In the ancient world, women didn't have any right to divorce husbands. Only husbands could initiate divorce. Or it could be that she is a widow and is now living with a man because she needs the social security a husband could provide in those days, or which a man could provide in those days. It was economically very difficult to be a widow. And so we don't fully know her story. But what we can gather is that she's very likely an outcast. She's shamed by society. She feels very likely ashamed of herself and the decisions that she's had to make. And we know this because she goes to the well at the noon hour. In a hot desert climate, no one gathers water right in the middle of the day. Right, that's the most difficult time to get water. You don't want to carry water in the heat with the sun beating down on you. And so most women who are gathering water would have gone early in the morning and probably again later in the evening. But this woman apparently goes at noon so as not to be in the company of other women and as not to be seen. And so it's very likely that either her behavior or her reputation has made her an outcast. She's notorious in her community, and she feels the shame of this. Right? That's her great spiritual problem. She lives with this guilt and this shame, and she has no escape from it. It follows her wherever she goes. And the well she comes to each day is Jacob's well a well that Jacob dug in ancient times. And it's a well that's close to where her people, the Samaritans, worship. So the Samaritans were the descendants of Israelites from the northern kingdom, and they did not worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Instead, they worshiped at a mountain called Mount Gerizim. Because at Mount Gerizim, Jacob himself had made sacrifices to God. And so the Samaritans felt that they were following in the footsteps of Jacob, by offering sacrifices on this particular mountain. And so they felt that their practice was ancient and traditional. This woman, however, is telling Jesus, is telling us, that Jacob's well is inadequate for her. It's a well that she goes to every day. Every day she needs water, and every day she returns. And that leads us to the second part of her spiritual problem that she brings to Christ because she is saying on one level, I keep coming to this mountain, this mountain where my ancestors have worshipped and sacrificed. I keep worshipping and sacrificing, but I'm not spiritually made whole. Every time I walk up this mountain, every time I come to Jacob's well, I walk in shame. The well itself reminds her of her shame, of being an outcast, of not being accepted. And so drawing water each day, she's drawing it and carrying it as an outcast. And so every day is a reminder of this shame. And that's the issue. What is the answer for this woman's guilt and shame? 
Because the sacrifices of the law, they're on Mount Gerizim, they're not taking care of the problem. Following the practice of her ancestors hasn't been a solution to her sin problem. She needs something else. And that something else is the gospel that Jesus is going to preach to her. Jesus tells her that the water he gives will eliminate her thirst forever. And again, Jesus here is not speaking on the literal level. He doesn't mean that Christians won't need to stay hydrated. But what he means is that Christians will no longer need to go back to sacrifices. They'll no longer need to climb Mount Gerizim. They'll no longer need to come day after day with their guilt and shame and try to make an atonement or a sacrifice for their sins. Jesus is saying he's putting an end to this cycle. Jesus is going to eliminate the guilt of your sins. He's going to eliminate all the attempts that you make to make yourself right with God. And so underneath the interaction of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, we're getting that distinction between what is the law and what is the gospel. The law, the commandments of God are there to remind us of our sin. They accuse us. Like Jacob's well, when we go to God's law, we know that we are sinners. We feel it. In Sunday school and catechism, we learn the Ten Commandments, and we learn them, and they become a kind of mirror for us because we learn how much we don't keep these commandments. And we go back, and they serve as a mirror, pointing out our sinfulness. Just as for this woman, Jacob's well points to her sinfulness. And so when we come to the law, when we come to the commandments, we see that we don't fear, love, and trust God above all else. Our thoughts are not always loving and pure. Our intentions are not always good. We see that we get jealous. We don't tell the truth. We get unfairly angry. We hurt others. We take the easy way out, and so on. In all of these things, we know that we are guilty of what the law demands. And yet the law doesn't fix us. We remain thirsty. It doesn't quench our thirst. We feel guilty for breaking the law, for being sinners. And when we try to go back to the law, we just end up breaking it again. We become even more aware of how inadequate we are. And we can't get out from under the guilt and shame of our own. And so when we read John 4, we need to see that we are the Samaritan woman at the well. We are the ones who have walked in shame. We are the sinners who can't fix ourselves. We are the ones who live constantly trying to quench our thirst in the wrong places. Jesus, however, does not give us new commandments to follow to fix ourselves. He doesn't tell us to make sacrifices or to keep attempting to draw our hope by following the commandments. Instead, Jesus says plainly, I will give you living water. I will take away your guilt and shame. Jesus says you can stop walking in shame because your sin doesn't define you anymore. You can stop trying to fix yourself. You can stop trying to save yourself. It doesn't work. Those wells, those wells of self-improvement, those wells of trying to fix yourself are just going to make you more and more thirsty. And so Jesus says, he has water for you. And that water was going to quench your thirst for all eternity. Good Lutherans, of course, hear this talk of water 
this phrase living water, and they ought to think of their baptisms. Water connected to God's word is living water, not simply plain water. It's the water connected to the living word of God that washes away your sins. But I want you to notice one last detail in our gospel reading. Because Jesus says to this woman, the hour is coming and is now here. Well, what hour is it in this story? It's noon. We also know from the Gospel of John that Jesus was crucified at this hour. He was crucified at noon. And so John purposely wants us to make this connection. Because the living water is what Jesus does for you. In fact, John will again show us when Jesus is crucified, the wound in his side produces living water. What Jesus does for you is the living water. The water that brings forth eternal life to you is the death of Jesus Christ. It's where all your sin, all your guilt, and all your shame are taken away from you. When you are baptized, you, through the word of God, are joined to Christ. He takes your sin, and he gives you eternal life. Now, there is very likely some sin in your past or some sin in your present that brings you under the shame and guilt of the law. There's some sin or many sins that you carry around and you feel the weight of them like the Samaritan woman at the well. And so maybe in your life there is something that keeps you up at night. You think, if only I had acted this way, I would not have done this. My life would not have turned out like this. If only I would have been more loving, more faithful when I was younger. If only then I wouldn't have hurt others. I wouldn't have gotten myself into one particular mess or another. Or maybe there is some sin in your life that you just can't seem to stop. There's something you hold on to that you just keep committing. Could be anger, could be gossip, could be lust, could be doubt, could be any number of things. And you feel the weight of it. You feel the shame of it. Well, Christian friends, please hear me and please hear the words of Christ here because he has living water for you. In fact, Jesus himself is the living water for you. He takes away those sins. He washes them away. He bears the guilt on himself at the cross so they are no longer your sins. You are forgiven because of what Christ has done for you. Amen.
together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of Pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord of hosts, you have brought us to dwell in your house and called us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Receive our praise and hear our prayers that we would leave this place satisfied with your living water. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, you led your ancient people by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Lead us through the wilderness of this world by the hand of faithful pastors and teachers, that we would be refreshed by the living water flowing from the side of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, you have made us righteous through Christ and made peace with us by his cross. Lead us to embrace our suffering in faith as they shape us in his image and prepare us to behold your glory in your heavenly kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, you appointed your Son to suffer on our behalf, that we would rejoice in the hope of glory. Make all Christian parents and grandparents to stand in your grace, that they would live faithfully for the sake of their families, and urge them always toward your Son. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, bless the nations of this world and bless those who lead our nation, especially our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael, so that they would seek justice, peace, and the common good of all. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, help the sick and suffering and those in trouble, especially Charlie, Jane, Marcial, Linda, Allison, Mark, Steve, John, Marilyn, Tony, and Carolyn. Surround them with your love in Christ, and according to your gracious will, your gracious will, heal them. Comfort all of those who mourn and fill their hearts with your hope. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, grant us safe haven at your altar, that we who bear the weight of this world and its sorrows would always long for your courts 
and the blessings you have prepared for those who sing your praise. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, to you all of our hearts are in fact open. And so strengthen our hearts by your grace that we who daily sin would make confession boldly and joyfully receive your words of forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast 
that renewed in the gift of baptism, we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting, and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast and grace our table with your presence. Reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth burning with justice, peace, and love. With your holy ones of all times and places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun, moon, and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed and holy Trinity, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
please stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
received. Serve the Lord.